You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and this is The Wellness Prescription, brought to you by Healthy Planet. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host from her home studio is Dr. Claudia Michaela. Good morning, Dr. Claudia. Or should I call you, wait a second, Betty Crocker, Rachel Ray, uh, Gordon Ramsay without the attitude. You've been cooking up a storm. Very impressive. Well, you know, I, I have found this new passion for cooking and teaching people about the benefits of conscious eating. I think it's so important, and uh, the way for me to spread this knowledge and this newfound passion is to do Instagram live videos about different recipes that are quick and easy and nourishing. So where can we follow you and watch these videos? Oh, it's so easy. Just go to my Instagram. It's Claudia underscore Machiella. And you can just go to my Instagram TV shows and you can see lots of different recipes. This week's recipe was so simple and so delicious. My kids loved it. And I made enough for leftovers for lunch the next day. Well, that's always a good thing. So tell me about this concept of conscious eating. How do you define it? So to me, conscious eating is being fully immersed in the whole idea of nourishing your body. So it's from thinking about what you're going to eat, from planning your meals, to preparing your meals, and to serving the food. So it sounds really complicated. It sounds like it's going to be very time-consuming, but it's actually not. It's just a way for all of us to be really aware of what we're feeding our bodies. So it's not about not eating foods that are delicious but not nutritious, it's just about being aware that we have to have variety, we have to stimulate our palate, and we do have to make, for the most part, healthy choices. Um, I kind of plan my week where I know the week ahead, I know what my schedule is like, so I know when I can give myself a little extra or I can give myself an indulgence. Um, And this way, for the most part, I'm following that 80-20 rule, and I'm really maintaining my health, and I'm nourishing my family properly. It's all around a great way to eat and live. What's the 80-20 rule? The 80-20 rule is 80% you're eating really healthy, very nutritious, and 20% you're eating foods that I call indulgence or a treat or something that's maybe not on that ultra-highly nutritious spectrum. And is it about sacrifice? So we all tend to associate eating healthy with sacrifice. I completely disagree with that. It's really not a sacrifice. It's really just about becoming aware of how good you feel when you're eating really healthy for the most part. So if you're going to have something that's like fast food and not necessarily nutritious, don't feel guilty about it. Just go with it, you did it, you wanted it, you, you know, it was in the moment, and then just understand that the next day you're going to just go back onto eating very healthy, very clean, and you're kind of going to detox the body. So you're not sacrificing anything because you're just creating balance, and balance is never a sacrifice. And why did you embrace this idea of conscious eating? Because you are healthy, you always watch what you eat, you exercise regularly, you talk about that on this show. So why did this idea speak to you? Well, because people will always ask me, how do you stay fit? How do you stay 
slim, and I'm always very honest. I mean, I watch what I eat, and I'm, ex- I'm as active as I possibly can be, so it's really no secret. I don't lie about, you know, not wanting to eat bad food all the time. I don't lie about, you know, not always having dessert when I'm out at a restaurant. I'm very honest about it because I want to be able to feel healthy and be healthy, and I'm getting to an age where that's really important for me because it's going to propel me into the next phase of my life. So I became really aware of it during the pandemic where I realized that everybody was becoming more in tune with their kitchen and cooking, and I was watching all the things that people were baking and cooking, and I realized, okay, that's great. We're maintaining family traditions. We're baking cookies. We're making breads, but not necessarily should we be eating those things all the time. So I kind of tried to teach people that we need to be conscious about it. It's okay to bake a loaf. It's okay to do things that you love and they're traditional, but we need to still maintain that 80-20 balance. And when you're producing these videos, is it a meal? Is it one particular dish? What are you focusing on? So I like to do like the one-pot wonder, something that's easy, a dish, and then sides, Side dishes can be like anything from a salad to a steamed vegetable, but I like to create the entree, like the the main portion of the meal, so that they're quick, they're easy, and uh, any family, any person who's responsible for the cooking in the family can get them done in 30 minutes. Okay, so let's remind our listeners one more time when they can watch these videos with you or watch you live. You can catch me every other Tuesday on my Instagram live TV at Claudia underscore Makella, and we cook all kinds of wonderful things that are healthy, nutritious, and actually really fun. All right. When we come back, expert advice to ease anxieties about back to school. This is the Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059theregion or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. I'm Tina Cortez and over to Dr. Claudia with today's guest. Thank you, Tina. Even though the start of the school year is about a month away for most, it's something that so many are talking about these days and joining us to hopefully alleviate some of your fears and anxiety as a parent is pediatrician Dr. Carissa Simone. Thank you so much for joining our show today. Thank you for having me. So, Dr. Simone, I want to clarify and I want parents to feel comfortable with this. Is it natural for parents to be nervous and anxious about sending their children back to the classroom in September? Yes, absolutely. This is a normal response for parents. The COVID-19 pandemic has presented so many different challenges to our community, and every day we are being faced with something different as we navigate these uncharted waters. So as human beings, it's natural that we feel anxious when presented with these new challenges. Are there children who are more at risk, perhaps those with respiratory issues or asthma or previous episodes with pneumonia or bronchitis? Well, I'll start out by answering that question on a positive note in that there is a lot of recent data that's being published in the medical literature now that we have more information on COVID-19 that children overall as a population are less at risk of contracting and transmitting coronavirus when compared to adults, which is reassuring. Children with complex medical conditions or underlying lung problems like asthma, like you mentioned, or any child that is immunocompromised in any way, they are 
um, at increased risk of getting more sick, just like they would be with any viral respiratory infection. But over the past several months, even these children, when coming into contact with coronavirus, are doing very well, and a lot of them are remaining asymptomatic. So that is reassuring, but I would strongly encourage any parent who's concerned their child may be at increased risk to have the discussion with their pediatrician, because ultimately every child should be assessed on an individual basis. And so let's talk about the immunity. So how can parents boost a child's immunity, and does that start now? Oh, that's a great topic to touch on because healthcare these days is shifting much more towards a preventative approach, and I know there's a lot of parents who are looking for ways to naturally boost their child's immunity. So anything that would promote a healthy lifestyle, including a healthy diet, taking multivitamins, avoiding pro-inflammatory foods like high-fat or fried foods, and of course getting exercise, 30 minutes a day, getting your heart rate up, um, can have huge benefits for your immunity. But the most important thing that we have for children's immunity is making sure that they are staying up to date on their vaccinations. So although we don't have a vaccine for COVID-19 yet particularly, we still need to make sure our children are staying up to date on the recommended vaccine schedule as well as staying up to date with their annual well child checks. So pediatricians' offices are safe and especially before returning to school, kids should still have their regular back-to-school physicals if they haven't already. Now, just a follow-up to that in terms of their immunity. You know, for the last six months, we've kept ourselves, our families, our children in a bit of a bubble, right? In a bit of a limited social circle. So have we actually done any harm to their immune system, you know, because they haven't been exposed to what they normally would be during this time of year? Yeah, that's a question um, that pediatricians are getting a lot. And Really, you know, children, as long as they're maintaining their overall health, then their immune system should be, you know, prepared to do what it normally would when it comes with any virus or infection that they may come across. And so in Ontario, uh, masks are mandatory for students in grade four and up. And I'm in that category because my daughter's going back to school to grade six and She's a bit anxious about, you know, having to wear this mask all day. Do you have any suggestions on how to encourage them to do so? Oh, yeah, there's lots of different ways that we can um, engage our students. First, the conversation needs to happen at home, and it should start now if it hasn't already, about wearing masks. If families are planning to buy masks, then they can make picking out masks part of their back-to-school shopping, just like a child would look forward to picking out a new lunchbox or backpack that they look forward to bringing in. If you're planning to make your mask at home, then I would encourage you to have kids be involved in picking out their fabric or design or can even help decorate their mask to make it their own and make it unique. And Dr. Simone, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on this, but so how does a parent or guardian decide on remote learning or online learning or in-person instruction? Well, this is a tough one because, again, it can be different for every uh, individual child, but we do know that there are many benefits to being in the live classroom. Um, In addition to the educational aspect, children learn how to establish a routine, they have access to healthy meals, they learn their social skills and are around other children their age, which is important for development. And remote learning isn't necessarily feasible for every family, um, which is very understandable. So I hope the Ministry of Education, working closely with schools and medical experts, makes me feel optimistic. They'll be able to implement social distancing and safe measures smoothly, and that will help make the decision easier for families who are debating this question. 
And so the other question that comes up is, you know, for those kids who are going to opt to stay home, could there be behavioral issues um, that, you know, that will develop later because of this option to keep kids at home more and not be around other children? Yes, unfortunately, there can be not being able to see their friends. Um, I think it can be challenging for the family dynamic to have the parents step in and play the role of just not mom or dad, but also now their teacher, their guidance counselor, their coach. Um, again, not with every case, but we are unfortunately seeing increased levels of anxiety and depression and some post-traumatic stress. Um, so part of going back to school, we do need to make sure we have a plan to support children's mental health as well as um, just not their physical health. So then how do parents determine if their child even wants to go back, and are there signs or symptoms of anxiety or other issues? Well, some signs uh, to look out for that your child might be suffering from some anxiety can be some changes in their sleep patterns, some changes in their eating habits, some children may become more withdrawn, while other children might have some increased agitation or behavior outbursts that are outside of their character. There might be some physical signs, too, as well as complaining of frequent headaches, frequent stomach aches, or even chest pain. Um, so if any parent is concerned about that, I, again, would encourage them to um, have them be seen by their pediatrician. Um, but I know a lot of families don't necessarily have the option to give their child the choice about whether or not that they can go back. So I just want to emphasize that that is okay, and I think as a community we'll be able to get through this challenging time together. And so in, in commencing this conversation with uh, our children about these new protocols, instead of approaching it where I, you know, we don't want our kids to feel anxiety or panic about it, but we do want them to be aware about you know, what's going to happen and how school is going to look slightly different, how do we start this conversation with them? Well, I think it's important that parents start out by asking their children what they know about coronavirus because some children absorb quite a bit of information from the news, sometimes more than we think. So asking them, what do you know about the sickness going around or what do you know about coronavirus? Because a lot of the words that we hear on the news, like quarantine or pandemic, might not be understandable to them. And using terminology that's kid-friendly, like talking about germs and that germs make us sick. So these are the things we need to do in order to keep ourselves healthy and hopefully that will start the ball rolling um, to open up the conversation. And so one of the things that I find very interesting, even in my own practice, is the idea, and I'm getting a lot of these questions myself, um, is the idea of Im immunity. I kind of want to kind of circle back to this conversation because I feel it's really important. Um, immunity is obviously the best way to keep healthy and to avoid getting any illness. And you did mention you know, keeping up to date with all of the immunizations. But do you also support or encourage the idea of maybe supplementing like um, uh, with vitamin C or zinc? Is there anything that you would recommend or encourage parents to give their children? So there, in, in a balanced diet with um, all of our food groups included, a child should be able to get all of the appropriate levels of vitamins and minerals that they need in order to sustain a healthy immune system. Um, with that being said, over-the-counter multivitamins for children um, can be helpful as well if you have picky eaters that maybe aren't getting all their greens in, um, depending on the situation. So, you know, they can be helpful, um, but if, again, if the child's getting everything they need in from their regular diet, then it's not necessary. And what kinds of questions are you getting within your own clinic, within your own office, 
about heading back to school. What do you find that parents and even some of your young patients, what are they most concerned about? I think one concern that's coming up um, a lot is transportation to school or when school is out. So even if we maintain all of our social distancing and safe measures once in the classroom, once the bell rings and everyone kind of disperses, will children be able to maintain that, continue wearing their masks? Um, and so that's one of the challenging aspects and just shows that there will be multiple components to the plan in going back to school. Um, it doesn't necessarily all happen just in the classroom. Now, I know you can't predict the future, but what can we do to perhaps lessen the impact of a possible second wave? Hmm. So I, I think Ontario has been doing a great job in moving through the phased reopenings safely and I'm optimistic that they will be able to do this for our children. Um, as we've started to open up some of our non-essential services for adults, I think we you know, owe it to our children that we get them back to their usual routine too. Um, and so hopefully um, if we continue to do this slowly and um, in a smart way that we'll be able to avoid a detrimental second wave. Um, but I think what we have learned over the past several months has given the healthcare industry time to plan and prepare should we see an increase in cases that we would be prepared to handle it without seeing a significant burden on the community. That is so good to hear. Um, I feel like, you know, we've all been affected by this pandemic and, you know, going back to school is such a big topic, a very important topic, but I do feel that the high school students um, are going to be the most affected because I feel like the most changes are happening at that level. Um, you know, they have the option of either being home all the time and doing online learning right. or going part-time. So. I wonder, like, you know, how should we encourage our children to accept this? Uh, you know, the advice that you would give to your patients who might be feeling a little bit, you know, weary about this is different, this is not what I had anticipated for my first year of high school. Well, I think the most important thing is to validate their concerns and because this is unknown for all of us, that we speak calmly and focus on short-term goals. So I know a lot of high school students are worried about, you know, maybe that internship or will we have our prom come the springtime and even as adults, we don't necessarily know the answers to those questions. So I like to encourage families that it's okay if you can't answer all of your children's questions, but to focus on things in the short term that they will be able to see their friends soon and um, that eventually they'll start to get back to their usual routine. And so if these children, these high school students, are going to be opting in to, you know, part-time or, uh, you know, full-time online, is it okay for parents to actually encourage them to have little groups of friends that they can see more regularly? Do you encourage that for their mental health and their mental wellness? I think as long as we're able to maintain our social distancing, mask wearing, and safe measures at home, then having small group gatherings in a safe way would be absolutely appropriate. Um, as they move through puberty, <laughs> friend groups are a, a big part of that developmental stage in life. So um, I think that would be fine, yes. That's awesome. I cannot thank you enough, Dr. Simone, for joining us today. That was amazing information that I'm sure parents are going to be so grateful for. Dr. Claudia, please remind our listeners how to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Machiella or to my new website, ClaudiaMachiella.com. 
That's our show for previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription. Go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region. The Wellness Prescription has been brought to you by Healthy Planet. This is 1059 The Region.